This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Defensive header. Bernardo Silva winning the second ball. And Townsend! That is an unbelievable strike. Crystal lead at Manchester City but not just that they do it with one of the goals of the season a quite sublime moment for Andros Townsend who marks his 100th Palace game with an extraordinary goal back of the nest match review podcast www.backofthenest.com Welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host this week. Manchester City 2, Crystal Palace 3, say no more. I'll introduce you to my panel after this short message. Love our podcasts. Listen to our live radio show on Love Sport every Thursday, 7 till 9 p.m., 5, 5, 8 a.m., DAB Digital Radio and online, lovesportradio.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So my panel this week is DR Kernaz, Mike Scott and Chris Clark. DR, I've got to start with you. 
Dr. Pepper. Is, Why do you always start? It's just Gaiden Ground. You always start with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Gaiden Oh, Ground. Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know where to start. First of all, unfortunately, I had Dr. Pepper during the week. I had a very bad flu and it made me feel worse. Um, I want to apologize to everyone who has to drink that, like, you know, during the week. Like, that is the worst drink to drink. And I stick by my statement as it tasted like out of date Coke. And yeah, that was horrific. And I'm never going to talk about Dr. Pepper again after this, um, as it just brings nightmares. Do you like uh, Ristorante pizzas? Have you ever tried those? I love pizza, but I have not tried that. It's just what they're made, what they're, exactly is it? They're made by Dr. Oka, and I was just wondering if you perhaps had an issue with any other... Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, I probably that's why I haven't tried it, I think. And <laughs> yeah, I just have my normal pizza. It has to be like barbecue or uh, barbecue base and with other flavor, yeah. None of that, All right, that Dr. Pepper that's, pizza. That's backfired. Deals boring me about pizzas. Mike, welcome back. You had a week off meant to the preview show, like some kind of... Oh, I was going to call you and you were name there. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. Uh, hi, Mike. Yeah, well, you know, I like to sow my wild oats occasionally. Heard that. Yeah, I've heard that about you. Usually over the app Bumble, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, though. I uh, had a Weatherspoons breakfast. Followed by leftover curry from from last night's curry, um, a few beers. Then what's that? So you know, it's a pretty pretty damn fine Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it's been um, I think you know, it's been a good good Saturday for every Palace fan, as of course we'll uh, be discussing. But just before we do that, it's Chris Clark. Hi, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi, you just you were just surprisingly loud for me there. Hopefully, huh? hopefully we'll, we'll get that in the post production edit because it scared the hell out of me. Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah. Right. So, how you feeling? Well, pretty upbeat, as you can probably tell from the way I just introduced yeah. myself. Um, so, I've been I've been out Christmas shopping today, um, and I was actually uh, walking up towards Selhurst uh, when the first goal went in, um, and then I was in the club shop uh, when we got the two goals um which we'll be talking about which so I, they didn't look too look the staff didn't look too too strangely at me when i celebrated but it was it's been a good day it's, it's, a, good, it's a good a place as any to be uh to witness um that happen of course well to hear that happen if you like um excuse me um i just I mean, let's get straight into the reaction because obviously I think we were we weren't really planning a show this week. I'd kind of announced it on the um on the last podcast, but we were on our Christmas break and we were jokingly saying in the week, Oh, you know, obviously we'll do a we'll do a show if we happen to beat Man City. Uh, and Mikey promised to produce this show naked if that happened. And he and he is doing that despite the fact he's looking after his son. So some confusing emotions there. Could we um could we possibly tweet out some pictures of this? Is that is that all right? Because I feel yeah. like we can't we can't get the full um, the full feeling of what's going on unless we truly see his bollocks on Twitter. So I think um, he's not saying no. So uh, I am saying no. <laughs> Damn it! Um, all right. Well, look, we'll see what we can do. I don't. To be honest, I don't think the world really does need to see that. Um, Mikey, of course, will disagree with that opinion. I think he does believe that the world needs to see him in all his glory. If you want to actually see that or hear that, then other podcasts are available. <laughs> that's true there's other podcasts videos um particularly if you find mikey's secret vimeo account where you can you can see all sorts of things that's uh 
that he's willing to show you and uh, and indeed the world. But um, no, seriously, the, the reaction is obviously one of disbelief. We're you know we're recording this not too long after the game has finished. Um, I've done some some bit for bit for BT Sport. I've been on Lover Sport, and I still I don't know what I said on either. Um, I'm I'm still in shock, and in reality, it's really Andros's goal that's done that. It immediately broke my brain, and I, I just haven't recovered. But I think it's really important to to sort of look at the the shows we've done recently and talk about the fact that I mean, the first tweet I, I sent after the game was just sorry, Roy. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think that one game changes everything. But when but when we're talking about a game like this, you cannot focus on, on any negatives. You can't try and put it into context. You know, a game like this is what it's about. It's about, what you know, why we're supporters and it's why we are fortunate to be Palace fans at times as much as we might feel that we're not. Because this kind of result, it's a blip for Man City. But for us, it's, it's incredible. It's one of those moments that we'll be talking about for years to come. And... And I sort of feel sorry for people who don't have that when they support with the clubs that they support. Um, you know, we've we've scored a famous goal and we've we've played out a famous victory. Do you know it was it's nineteen ninety, the exact same date, twenty second of December was the last time we beat Man City at, at their place. So that is obviously eighteen years to the day. Um, incredible, incredible stuff. Um, so my reaction is is one of disbelief. Um, Mike, your reaction is? Well, I'm just a little bit gutted I wasn't there. Um, I know Terence from the preview pod was there and he tweeted a picture of himself in the stands just saying, this is my Saturday, how's yours? Um, it, yeah, pretty special. I, I, bet he's, I bet he's probably still standing there. He probably hasn't moved. He's waiting to be chucked out by a steward. Oh, same. You, you do that, don't you? When, you? when you're at away games and you get this, those famous moments. I can remember not wanting to leave Old Trafford because it, it, it feels comparable to that with the Ambrose goal and that win and how it all how it all played out. It's it's exactly that. It's, you, you just don't want to leave that stadium. You don't want to get out of that environment. You just want to. You just want that moment to last forever. Yeah, it's just. It, I think it's annoying the fact that I went to an away game um, a couple of weeks ago and he had to be West Ham away where we conceded like three goals in the space of 30 minutes. Why couldn't Palace perform like that back then? Uh, yeah, Terence are probably loving out there. And it'll be good to go to an away game and have a performance like that, as that was fabulous. And I'm still now, like, I haven't calmed down. And I don't think I'll calm down during the whole night. I'm not going to no, sleep you were, tonight. You were singing a lot earlier before the show, um, to a point where I had to get you to stop, because it was really making my head hurt. But... You know, you you yeah, you definitely haven't calmed down. Um, how it, but how can you calm? I do, I just me. How can you calm down after that? Like I, won't, I, I went through f- thousands of thousands of emotions. It's like we scored three goals and then we conceded around the 80th minute. Oh, like oh, my brain was just about to explode. It's like, what should I do? Should I cry? Should I laugh? How how should I feel right now at this moment? I just didn't know what exactly to do. And the rest of us like, use booze. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. You can do that as well. I just, I prefer to have Volvic water finish three litres oh, already. And <laughs> two 1.5 litre bottles. And yeah, I think that that's worked a bit of good for me, but not all that. 
other bottled waters are available. Um, I also um, had a drink during during the game, and that, that was um, a tiny Rebel IPA at the Craft Beer Cabin um, in South Norwood after the club shop. Um, and I sat and with my headphones in and just listened to the commentary and watched on uh, my phone as my Facebook messenger went mad with you lot all getting really, really tense uh, watching the game live somehow in a definitely legal way. Um, so it was um, it, it was tense. I mean, but this is what it is to be a Palace fan, as you say. I mean, you take the high with the lows, Chris, and, you know, this is definitely a high and you know, loads of my mates were at the game and I'm, I'm really, really jealous and regretful that I wrote this one off one because it was before Christmas and two, because I thought we were going to get thumped. Um, as you yeah. say, sorry, Roy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And thank you. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, look, there's a lot of context for that. and we, We'll get into that um, very shortly when we start talking about uh, the game. Again, we won't go into the kind of detail we usually do because we haven't had the time to sort of digest it and analyze it as that we, that we usually have. Um, so, yeah, there's there's no, there's no need for us to go into a huge amounts of detail. But I wanted to get some of the reaction uh, from, from the listeners. Um, so I'm, I'm going to pick out a few. So Becca Fairley-Watson uh, said, think most people are speechless. Simon Pronger, lost for words, just. And then just is then, he's applauding, so he's just clapping. Uh, Emma Bainbridge has said, um, having a say in the Premiership title since 2013, what a team we are. And obviously that's uh, been the focus of a lot of the mainstream media is, the fact that we've done Liverpool a favour um, and had an impact on the title once again. Um, I have to say, I'm not amazingly keen on that um, as, a, as an angle. I think I like the, I like prefer it's people to focus on the brilliant performance by Palace, particularly the brilliant defensive display, which has kind of got lost in all the, all the excitement. Um, Richard Evans sort of echoing some of our words, saying sometimes it's great to be wrong. Um Stefan Marksbrook saying, told you all to have faith in Roy. No one likes a smart ass, do they? When someone when someone says, told you so, you know, you it's just honestly, Stefan. Uh, Phil Walsh is saying, will there be a public apology for those who called to be Roy to be sacked and, and claimed he lost the dressing room? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going, yeah. no, I, have to, I have to come in there. Yeah, It's a fantastic result and it's probably going to boost the players right up. But it's just... It's still one game. I, I don't want to say it's one, but it, it is against Man City, and I, I predicted that it would be five nil. But you can't, you can't. I'm not going to switch and say, "Oh, Roy in and keep him till the end of the season." After one performance, it's now how we're going to react and move on from this. We've got a massive game coming up against Cardiff, but all I'm saying, I don't want to be negative, but it is one game, and let's see the reaction from now on because it's not like Roy can have a lifetime job now at Palace because we beat Man City. It's not going to happen. No, look, you're, <laughs> you're absolutely right there, and I think what's interesting about it is it does, it, but it does shift the focus that little bit, doesn't it? Because yes, it, it, it's one game, but it, may, it enables you to look back and look at West Ham and look at Brighton, you know, those horrible matches where the performances were terrible, we conceded really bad goals. It allows you to look at those and start to think, you know, maybe that they were a turning point rather than, um, you know, rather than a sign of things to come, the sign of a team that was falling apart. We've now got two, you know, two games down the line where we've beaten Leicester. Not a great game, but we've done really well, to, obviously phenomenally well to win today against Man City. So it just gives you that little bit of context. It allows you to look at things in a different angle. And, you know, I'm glad to have that. I'm glad to have that thing. There's still things that concern me as as you as you're getting at. You're absolutely right. There's still things there that, you know, certainly at the start of the game. Again, I talk about this with a lineup. I, I was, 
absolutely beside myself looking at what we'd what how we'd started and, and the first sort of twenty five minutes of the game. I just you know just shaking my head, but I think it's interesting to um, now you know now you get to the end of it. I've got a completely different view on it. I was wondering whether you at the start of the game uh, realised it was going to be a four five one though because I, I I didn't. I just assumed it would be another four four two, and I was. I was very impressed in the first few minutes um, how how that it just looked so rigid um, and the only times they really got through was when a ball it wasn't over the top but it was between the two banks of the four and the five and when they didn't do that it was it, absolutely masterful change I mean very subtle change but really made a difference and I didn't expect that when I looked at the teams at two o'clock. Yeah, I was annoyed the fact that Jeffrey Schlupp started this game uh, um, before the game. As you look at Schlupp's, uh, I know he scored a goal against West Ham, but he recently hasn't been as good. And he ha- he's been rewarded a starting place instead of being um, maybe like dropped to the bench or even out of the squad. So I was really annoyed at that because I thought it was sending a negative message to the likes of Punch and Unreadable, whereas they haven't really got the chance and there's a player starting who hasn't played really well. But I think, yeah, that's where you have to give credit to Roy in this game. He, the fact that he changed the formation, no one really expected him to play a 4-5-1. And the fact that he did that, I think he suited Jeffrey Slup and it helped us a lot defensively. We made Man City struggle going forward and that's just ridiculous. This team is one of the best teams in Europe and we managed to stop them like that. Do, do, do you really think, though, that you would have picked someone other than Schlupp? Bearing in mind, obviously, yeah. Kowati was injured. You, you would have, on in a game like this where you couldn't make any mistakes, I think it's the same reason that he didn't really make a sub until the last few minutes. Because, you, you know, you can't just bring someone like Riedewald in from the cold just because a year ago he did, you know, had a decent game up against Man City. Everything's got to be drilled totally in place with people that have been playing a lot recently. Um, I don't think he had any choice with Schlupp, personally. No, you, I think you no reader world could have come in. Uh, he, because uh, at the, before the game, you would have uh, expected us to play four four two formation, and I thought he's not going to change it about Max will still stay out wide. So would Maka. So having Jeffrey Schlupp in midfield would be confusing. So I would have rather have reader world in there. And as you said. Last year against uh, Man City, he had a great game. And he it's not like uh, last year when he did play against Man City, he was playing in lots of games. He just came in and done a fantastic job. And I think it's harsh on him. Reader World hasn't really had a chance so far this season. But it worked out well. So I'm not I'm not that upset. And I can happily admit that I was wrong. But I thought it would send a negative message by starting him in the first place. For, for me, the more, the more interesting part was I don't, I don't necessarily have the... Excuse me. The, the issue was selecting... Jeff Schlupp, because similar to, to how Mike's getting at, it's it's whether or not you've got better options there. I mean, again, it, no one seems to have mentioned him, but you know, punches there would would he have worked better? I'm not so sure. Um, but what the issue I had when we when we lined up, and, and it goes back to the point that you've you've both made about the changing in formation, but specifically when you're talking about it being a four five one, Mike, I'd, the first sort of five six minutes, I didn't even notice because. The first thing I saw was Jeffrey Schlupp lining up on the inside of Max Meyer, and I just I was like, what? "What? Hang on a second! You got someone who's a, a left back slash left winger who we've tried to convert to being a centralish midfielder, but 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 he's used to playing the left side of that central four, and you're playing Max Meyer there, and then you're playing Schlupp in the centre, and obviously when you then look at how the game unfolded." With the with the lack of possession that we had, which was you know always going to be the case, but more importantly how we how it unfolded up until that first goal, where 
that the rigidity that you talked about in the formation that eventually worked ended up working in our favour actually was was at fault for that first goal because we were too rigid and, and the you know the midfield were basically sort of standing in a line as the, the Manchester City midfielders broke between them and you saw it where where, where Jeff Slup just had tried to sort of after the ball was already being played towards Gundogan. Uh, Gun, I can't even say his name. <laughs> Gun, yeah, you can say Gun, that. Gun, Gun, Gun? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, in Turkish, it's Gundogan. But, um, <laughs> Gundogan. There you go. I like that. Uh, but you know, he, he was he was running through, and the ball had already been played towards him when Schlupp puts his hand up and points at PVA to pass him on. It's like way too late by that point. So that's where I, I was really struggling at the start of the game and really didn't see the sense in what we're doing. But it just because we reacted, it just became that much more obvious that, that there had been a tactical tweak and also there was a clear game plan that the players looked really comfortable with. And, and that encouraged me, um, obviously. But Yeah, was- I, I, I think that's why um, he put Schlupp just inside of, of, of Mayer because I'm not sure that he entirely trusts him um, to be covering uh, back quite as much as he covers, as he um, trusts the other midfield players. Um, and I think that that's probably shown in the goal as well. Um, so... I, I think probably Mayer would have preferred to be somewhere in the middle, but he had an excellent defensive game, like a really good defensive game. There was one particular point where he just, um, the ball was about to come out for a corner. He leapt up off his five foot nothing frame and headed the ball out for a throw in. Um, and I thought that he, he, he really played him well. He, he, Roy really used that that four five one formation to, to, to most of their strengths. I think Schlupp probably is the weak link in his eyes. It was interesting to to see the game that, that Wilf had off the back of that four five one because obviously he was isolated for long periods of time, um, but I actually thought he had a really good game, um, seeing so little of the ball. Uh, and it's interesting even watching the little little amount of highlights back that I've I've seen. Obviously, I saw the full game in an entirely legal way, but um, when reviewing the bits that I could, it's only a couple, you know, just under three minutes from uh, from the Sky Sports app, but you can see. His role in in a couple of the breaks, he was good at holding it up. He had his moments where he kind of um, maybe was looking too too hard to get a free kick, um, but he was also being kicked about a bit as well. So it was hard to kind of judge what was happening there. Um, but I could I, he obviously got frustrated as well. Took a yellow card for a, for a sort of almost petulant kind of foul. But I think it's a very different kind of performance from Wilf. It was you know it was playing as part of a team and. It's interesting, again, to see the focus on, on other players despite him being in the side. I felt a bit bad for Wilf um, at the start of the game because he just seemed so isolated at times. And as the game went on, he grew into it and he'd done a fantastic job um, considering he the, the lack of sport he had throughout the game, which was expected because you're playing a 4-5 formation against Man City, you rather defend and get to draw well we managed to get a victory then you know push on and try try get a try get a win so it was expected uh, that Wilf will be isolated but I thought he'd done a fantastic job there and um next week against uh Cardiff it'll be interesting interesting to see what happens as I doubt we'll play the 4-5-1 formation as I think it'll be a bit too negative yeah absolutely so, right um, but again yeah. this is what you want to see you want to see the team and the you know changing depending on the opponent. I think, again, we, we've complained a lot on this show about seeing the same thing every time. And it was, it was nice to see us change something uh, and, and reap the benefits. Yeah, that's what I just want from Roy, for him to adapt game by game. When if, when something doesn't work, then 
don't try and hope for the best in the next game. And he changed it about and it worked perfectly. And hopefully this continues now from now on. And he looks at it by, you know, next game against Cardiff. Four five one is clearly not going to work as that'd be too negative. He changes it around and gets the best out of the players that we currently got. I don't think there's anything wrong with playing a four five one against teams that you'd think are you know, less likely to beat you. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. I was watching the post-match interviews um, on Palace TV and you kind of got, when Chris Grierson was asked in Townsend about his role today, he sort of said, oh, yeah, I'm not so keen on playing where I was today compared with the other games, which I found quite interesting because yeah. I, I wasn't, yeah, I really wasn't sure that he was too keen on playing up front, but um, you know, I might be reading too much into it, but he, he sort of said, you know, he had to, he had to do a really defensive role today, which he did. I mean, he was, it wasn't just the fact that he scored that goal. He was the best player on the pitch by a country mile. He was everywhere, he defended everything. Um, and when he said he, he, he did well, him and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, well, they, they, between the two of them, they were incredible. Um, but there's no reason that a four-five-one can't happen, provided that the players are happy to do it, and they seem like they were. So, yeah, I, I, I just go, I was going to ask you a question. Now, how how much did he drink? Because Chris wasn't actually at the game. Uh, Chris Grierson, he tweeted it out before the game. So <laughs> that's interesting that you heard Chris Grierson after the game. How much did he drink? There. Uh, sorry, who who was it then? I'm not too sure, but it definitely wasn't him. As he said that um, this is the first time I've worked at in four years at the Etihad. Like, well, you know, you know how we're talking <laughs> without being in the same room right now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean that can happen in other situations. It can, it can. Oh um, wow, yeah, technology. Who, yeah, who, whoever, never whoever it. it was, whoever it was, um, Chris, you're sitting there in almost near silence, so I'm going to have to bring you in, um, and, and I want to uh, get a couple more comments. Um, from from the listeners as well, that more than a couple, hopefully throughout the rest of the rest of the show. But uh, one in particular from Clarence Gunther, which is a great name. Uh, he said at three one. I was thinking we could nick a draw here. So great game, well done, lads. That's an that was an interesting point that I wanted to bring up later on. That at half time we're three one up, and were we? We're, I'm sure we were all still thinking um, that you know we're going to lose four three here, but at least we've we've done really well to score three goals. Was that was that a fair point? Well, absolutely. I mean, you've got to put this into context. And Man City have only conceded three goals on three previous occasions in 2018. So the last time that happened was in April um, when they lost 3-0 uh, to Liverpool at Anfield in the Champions League. Um, earlier that same week, they conceded three at the Etihad um, when Man U beat them 3-0. Um, and the only other defeat um, or was when they lost 4-3 in January, also at Anfield. So, you know, we are one of only four teams in, to score three goals against City in a competitive fixture in 2018. And I think we should be really, really proud of that. Couldn't agree more. Um, and I think, sorry, it's just that I've just noticed one of the bits of contact that came in um, from Aaron. It's just, just a little diversion here that says that Dion Alna has to drink Dr Pepper every week. Double women playing. Oh Liverpool. yeah, that's you know what I actually yeah. Well, first of all, <laughs> before the game, I started hoovering. I never done that before, like before a game. So maybe I need to start hoovering <laughs> as well. <laughs> Has Aaron hacked my notes for this show? Because I, I had that written down. I was planning to jump that oh, right. in a little bit. <laughs> that's interesting, though. I don't know. Maybe I need to drink Dr Pepper and Hoover more. 
Maybe that's yeah, what well, I, think... <laughs> I think your mum would probably agree, agree with that, because... right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it worked out wonders. I quite enjoyed it as well. It relaxed my, my, my mind and I was a bit more chilled. I think if we can get people's pre-game rituals in for today, if they can send them in, then we can make a list and we can make sure everyone does it. Um, <laughs> producer Sam said one earlier that I'm not going to repeat, but um, one that she'd done that she said she's going to do for every game now. So um, I don't know yeah. why you can't repeat it. It was just some t- topery, I think you call it, isn't it? Some, yeah, some topery, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if pe- whatever people were doing today, make sure you do it on Boxing Day. That would be excellent. All right. Uh, anyway, there's there's a few more bits and pieces in, but I um I, we can't get to them all. But thank you to everyone who got in contact. Most of it is either do you still think we should get rid of Roy now? Uh, also, or people just in sheer bewilderment. Uh, it's an interesting point from um, Mark Benici also uh, discussing it with Steph, and we're both are sort of making the point that when we lose, people blame Steve, pa- Steve Parrish. So shouldn't we be congratulating for this win? Which uh, which made me laugh as well. Uh, cheers, gents. And just while I while I've well, I've got this message up. Uh, Merry Christmas as well. Jerry has wished us all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So, good man. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll have uh, some other bits and pieces to talk about from the listeners in a, in a little while. But um, we've kind of covered a lot of the, a lot of the topics that I wanted to talk about around um, around the lineup. But obviously, it was great to have Tompkins and Sacco back together today. Even though Kelly had a fantastic game last week, and in the pre-match press conference, it was a bit of a surprise to hear that uh, Kelly had been injured in the in the Leicester game, given he, he put in a man of the match performance, um, I, I want, you know, a few people were sort of thinking, well, maybe you should keep his place, but, um, obviously also in the lineup, um, Vicente Guaita kept his, kept his place at an interesting game. Um, Very interesting. I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I was going to, yeah, what, what do you reckon, DR? I mean, obviously going, we'll, we'll talk about all the goals in just a minute, but, yeah. you know, it, you, you, you can't help but think about the, the, how, whether people would have blamed Hennessy for that cross yeah. going in from De Bruyne, yeah, you can't I, think. I need to, I need to go like, after. Like, let me be honest. After that goal went in, I went on social media and I didn't see one like Hennessy guy to comparison, and that's why like I was like, all right, whatever, we're winning. But yeah, that's that's an interesting point. As if it was just like last week, guy to say um save that shot, and I made a point that they have different um strengths. This week, Hennessy would have saved that. Um. You know, but no one really talked about it. But I don't, I'm not really that fast. I think Gaeta had a really good game. Um, you know, he was vocal and also his uh, his distribution was all right. Uh, and he loves time wasting. I just love him for that. I think he's going to pick up five yellow cards um, real soon. I think he's got two now in two games for time wasting. So he's just a maverick. I just love the guy. So w- which one do you think he would have saved? The, so, the second one. Yeah, Hennessy would have saved that, but. Gaeta, of course, he he hasn't How? got the, he hasn't got the he hasn't got the height to save that. Just like last week, Hennessy wouldn't have probably saved Gaeta's shot because Gaeta's a smaller guy and he's got better reactions. There, there's no way that any keeper, no, no one was expecting that to go in. Yeah, but it doesn't. Um, Hennessy's still taller. Hennessy Hennessy would have probably saved that. But Hennessy's terrible at coming out for crosses, and people thought that was a you know he he misjudges crosses left, right, and centre. So um, I, I mean, I I, I think. Today, um, Goethe, he kicked a few balls straight into touch and that kind of thing. And, and I thought there was a few things wrong. But I, I can't blame him at all for the second goal. <coughs> well, see, that's... Uh, but I, I know yeah, I, I know what you mean by it's not expected. I understand that. But this is the thing I'm talking about. Like, last week, everyone was straight away... You know, Goethe made a fantastic save. Hennessy wouldn't save that. But then again, you also have to admit that 
Hennessy was, if he was playing, he was like most likely would save that rather than Gaeta. And it's not it's not agenda against one or another. It's just to have different strengths that people have to realise. I think the point really, in my opinion, I don't think either keeper saves that, you know, I don't personally. But I think the point being made is, I mean, certainly in this game, there's no point looking at the performance. It's important not to over-egg how good or bad either goalkeeper is in, in a situation. First of all, anything you say about Hennessy in the last two games is hypothetical because he wasn't in, in goal. And I think second of all, um, it's easy to, again, as we were talking last week, it's easy to, to ha- whatever your opinion you're predisposed to is, it's in, you can pick bits out to support it and ignore the things that are against it. So I think nobody... Nobody should be after that game. Should be thinking too much about whether or not you keep the keep the same goalkeeper. In in my opinion, I think there's nothing in either of the performances that Vicente Guaita has put in that I would say deserves him to be dropped. And I think you should keep the shirt if you're playing well. And I think he is playing well. I think that you know, I think it's about 75 seconds in he managed to tip a tip a shot over, which was pretty good. Um, but it's weird for all the things that. For all the possession that Manchester City had, he didn't have a huge amount to do in terms of making saves, which I, I thought was quite odd for for a game against Man City. Yeah, I think we were, we were very solid defensively, which was um, impressive. As I know, against Leicester, they had a couple of chances. So this was a, I think, uh, if you're looking at our previous couple of games, probably the hardest opponent and one of the best teams in Europe, and we managed to stop them, which was impressive. But um, quickly, I think Gaeta. Uh, next game against Cardiff, I think I'll start him from now on. Two clean sheets, you can't drop that. As much as Hennessy has been all right so far this season, like average, uh, I think Guy now deserves that number one kit for the time being. I mean, it wasn't a clean sheet today, but anyway. Oh, yeah, it was. What? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It just felt like a clean sheet because we won. Because <laughs> we won, yeah. Stats-wise, stats so they had, they had 19 shots, five on target. And three saved. So, I mean, I, I think he he probably was he, he probably expected a much busier game than what he got, and um, I think he'll, he'll be fairly happy that they actually, especially in the second half, didn't create a great deal. Really, it certainly goes back to the point I was making at the start, which was just how good well the defence as, as a whole was. You know, Wan-Bissaka was excellent, but you've pointed out already, Mike, he was really well supported today by Andros Townsend, that, and that was excellent. Um, and obviously, Mayer again supporting the left-hand side of the pitch with PVA as well. I think that all worked really well. We've talked about the opening City goal, which was obviously a good ball over the top. They do it a lot and um, a good header, but ultimately it could have been avoided. You you always think when you're watching Palace against Man City, and at that point, I'm expecting Palace to lose the game. And I, I was just personally disappointed that it was that, that that was the way we actually got broken down. That was the way we conceded a goal. But let's talk about the Palace goals now and, Pretty much straight away we get a reply, and it's the man who's who's made the mistake for for losing losing his man first of all. And Jeffrey Schlupp, much maligned, but you know, first of all, with Wolf's breaking down the right, does really well to hold on to the ball. A little bit lucky as he's challenged, but eventually it finds its way into the centre of the pitch. It's swept over straight into the feet of Schlupp, and you don't you don't really expect him to do what he did. And I'll tell you what, I, first time I saw it, I thought, yeah, what a nice one, mate. You've had a you've had a go, great. Great finish, well done. Delighted, obviously. But the more I watch that strike, the better that goal gets. It's it's exceptional. It certainly was, and I just I just want to give people a bit more of a, a backdoor feeling for back of the nest. So we were just 
chatting about Jeffrey Schlupp for the few seconds before he scored on our on our chat, um, wondering after the goal was conceded um, what he was doing, that kind of stuff, and then a few derogatory comments about you know how uh, Roy's probably going to give him a contract extension and that kind of stuff. Then he turns around, pulls that out of the bag, and all of us just shut up, like all, all and and then so yeah, just just. Everything we just said was totally and utterly redundant. It was awesome. Yeah, that that was an interesting couple of minutes. Let's just say that. Um, I made that comment right after they scored. I was like, "Well, you had a shocker last last week against Leicester. Now you had another shocker by letting uh, Gundogan free and allowing him to score." So I was like, "I expect him to get contract extension next week." As, uh, as he as he's performing horribly and he gets rewarded for it, and then couple of seconds, well, not couple of seconds, but couple of minutes later, he scores a goal, and everyone's like, uh, "Well, Mike, you said that you'll marry him," um, and Hambo lost his head. So it was just fantastic. I, I stand by it. I stand by it. I'll marry him. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I would say is, if if anyone who's listening to this hasn't yet seen that goal, it is absolutely exquisite the, the quality the way that the way that ball bends it's not something that you you would naturally associate with Jeff Schlupp but that that's what happened in this game and it's 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 really I mean if, if it wasn't for the fact that it happened in a game where an absolute worldie probably the goal of the season um and in fact um Robbie Savage said it was probably the goal of this season and of last season was scored by Andros Townsend today, then I think it's a goal that would be talked about a lot more than it's probably going to get. I think it deserves a lot more attention than it will receive after this game today. Was that Robbie Savage again? Two weeks in a row? No, was it Savage or Shearer? Because everyone was was going crazy. This was Savage because I was listening to 606 before we recorded this. He must have changed the allegiance from Brighton and Millwall to Palace. That's that's excellent. (laughs) That's impressive. Now, it's obviously very... Very, very good to hear. And, and I totally agree with that, Chris. It would be talked about a lot more were it not for the next goal. And you know, I'm kind of teasing. I really want to get into no, that. Quick, all right, <laughs> look, but... before you get into that, go on, go on, go on, I just go. have to say this. Make sure you get into it in the correct way, all right? I know that might sound <laughs> that's wrong. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, but... <laughs> you, you know that's going to happen, but now now I've got to delay it that little bit more. So I'm just going to talk a little bit more about Jeffrey Schlupp. Obviously, as Mike has revealed, there's a lot of criticism in our, in our own private chat. And I think I even tweeted as much I didn't mention him by name but I tweeted about how disappointing it was to see the midfield not following their runners and obviously in that case it was Jeffrey Schlupp um, but I rewarded him by referring to him as the, the Schluppmeister um, when he scored which I think is a fitting reward um, but I think that's the thing I would just love to see him do more because he's got that I mean you know dear you'll, you'll know this from midweek where we were talking to uh, Jake Watson who was hosting the Love Sports show with us um, he's a Leicester fan and he hadn't realised that we were playing Jeffrey Schlupp in midfield and he, he found it hilarious um, that we'd, we'd actually tried to convert him to that given how he's you know started off as a striker, then a left midfielder and then a left back and uh, we're playing him there. But he has that capability. No, I mean, Jake told us he, he's, all, he's all pace. It doesn't matter about his technical ability, but we so rarely see him driving with the ball um, and, and taking shots on and that kind of stuff. If he did that every week, which he's capable of, it becomes a much, much less of a debate about how, what his worth is to the team, and he'll uh, certainly be uh, be turning around those that you know those that uh, criticise. Yeah, him. I think he needs to be more consistent now. From now on, he had a very good game today and uh, made all the um, doubters quiet. 
But I, I think he's got uh, what I call the schoolboy role. He's just everywhere. Like he hasn't got this one position. And as as uh, as you said, um, when we spoke on Love Sport, even Jake was confused. But he just he, he can play up. I don't know. He he's, he can play up front. I guess he can play out wide. He can play left back. He can play central midfield. But yeah, he's got that schoolboy role. And if he is consistent, I think he'll be massive for us. But that's a big if. And I hope I hope he is. Well, DR, it's that time. I think what a ta ta galapala. No, what a guapa Oh my that was just I honestly this this is why I got ruined. It's just when it happened, I just oh Oh, I got messages from my friends. They were like, are you all right? I was just screaming in like a group chat and it was just reckless. And what a guapalapa that was from Andros Townsend. It's just, I can't think of a Paris goal that has been better than that. Like, honestly, can't. You guys may be able to tell me, but what a sweet strike. Here's the fact that it was a volley as well. Oh, I just love the man. I just love it. Like, two, like he's got two guapalapas, I think, uh, <laughs> in the space of two, three weeks. Just how can you not adore the man? And I've criticised him before for his lack of goals and assists, but I think we found a solution. You just have to call it a guapalapa and he gets excited and he scores more goals. So, love that. Um, I'm an absolutely religious listener of the Football Ramble and uh, they were talking about how they don't reckon he's going to score five goals this season and he's he's never capable of properly pulling out the goals. Um and then in the post-match interview, which may or may not be with Chris Grierson, um, he was saying that he was saying that he'd have been happier if he'd have headed that goal that hit the post instead of that goal. And I don't, I'm not sure I believe him, but he said he just wants to score more scrappy ones. So, you know, he's carrying on scoring the screamers, but everyone expects that now, don't they? You, you just, you knew the moment he struck it, it was going in. Like you, you just, you expect nothing less of the man, do you? I I think 10 of Andros's 17 goals have come outside of the box. I'm not too sure if it's in the Premier League, but I saw stats similar to that. I'll look at it um, in a second, but that's really impressive. Uh, But as you said, um, I think he would like to score more goals. And if that means scoring scrappy goals, then let it be. But he's a very good finisher. And on his day, he can be very lethal. And let's just hope he scores a couple more because... um, we uh, well, I expect more goals and assists from him, and I think if he does score more, then he'll just go on to the next level, which is really scary to think about because he can be real um, talent for us. It's a goal that's going to be remembered for decades to come. Um, you know that sounds like hyperbole, but it's not. It really, really, really was that good. Um, yeah, I mean the the goals that it reminds me of um, most is pro- probably actually the the uh, Darren Ambrose one um, at United when we beat them in the cup, um, and the Darren Pitcher one, which I can't remember who even who it was against. Was it against Villa? Certainly a Birmingham Wolves. Wolves. That was it. I knew it was a Brum team. Um, that goal. Um, you know, cause, and I, I remember that when it happened. You know, I mean, not that I was at the game, but I saw it on telly and. You know, I mean, these things, they, they live with you for, you know, one, two, three decades, you know, to the end of your life. And I think that that's a goal for, especially for those who were at the game, it's just going to be incredible. It looks like the, the scenes when that goal went in were just amazing. What can you say? Well, it's like you've been reading my notes. Not that I've written them down in my <laughs> brain, but obviously the next thing I was going to say is, you know, in recent memory, there's only other one other goal 
that is comparable, and it is Darren Ambrose's goal. Um, for me, and I, I want you all to answer this, and what, which one you think is better. So to explain my my reasoning, I recognise that the technique for it being a volley, how clean it was hit, the, the situation that we are in, the team we were playing, the skill of the goalkeeper is against. You probably have to say Townsend's actually is better, but for the exact reason that you were talking about, Chris, I was at Old Trafford and I was, Same. and I felt like I, was, I felt like I was behind it, and I felt that like I watched it off his foot and it took an age to get in, but it sped up and it just swerved and dipped, and I just knew everything about it and I can picture it in my head right now, and the reaction, the sort of explosion of disbelief the kind of delayed reaction to it hitting the back of the net all of those things are just so visceral that you can't you, I can't love that any goal more than that goal but <laughs> you know today was absolutely remarkable um, can you, DR, can, what you, do you reckon? can you imagine if you were if you were uh, in the stadium when you scored that goal like all the 900 I think it was 900 Palace fans I think they are feeling like right now what you felt when it was at Old Trafford to see the Ambrose goal. I think it has to be Andrews's goal. You look at the distance and it's a volley as well. It's just, that's such a hard goal for anyone to score. And if it was someone else like Suarez or like Messi's or, you know, all them big players, I think around the world, everyone will be talking about it. Right now, I think everyone in England is talking about it, but it's not as international. And yeah, it's just fantastic. I think this has to be better than Darren Ambrose's goal but they're both fantastic goals I think it depends if you're talking about my reaction because I'd go Ambrose's goal um, but the one today was pretty amazing um, I, I, I can't think of any any Palace goal in my memory that was technically better than that the, the one thing I wanted to ask though um, do you think that if he'd have been because they did swap a little bit like in the first half Townsend is a hard briefly swapped around um, and I saw Zahar covering Wan-Bissaka on the, on, on the right-hand side. Do you think he would have actually been in the position to score that goal if we'd have been playing a 4-4-2? Because I'm oh, not convinced he was. No chance, no chance. Where he came from, absolutely not. It, I was confused that he was in that position in the first place, to be honest with you, because he was really deep. Um And he just, you know, again, he just didn't hesitate. And that's the, that's the thing for me. I, it's It's... It's so interesting. It's so difficult to kind of to describe that moment. Are you interested, Dale? You say what would have been like in the stadium if people want to find out what the reaction was like to that goal. Uh, check out um, Harvey, who's uh, at Red and Blue Site on Twitter, because he's got a recording of his reaction, and it is its limbs. You know, is the phrase, isn't it? it it's just absolute carnage in there, and um, that was that was really beautiful to watch. I have to say, so do check that out if you want to see the reaction, but. Uh, it's great to be talking about a goal like that. And, and I think kind of the point you're making, DR, you sort of were talking around, because it's such a high-profile game. Obviously, Palace beating Man United in the League Cup was still, it was still talked about an awful lot, that goal. But, you know, this this is this is headline news um, everywhere at the moment. Any, any, anywhere you talk, people are talking about the Premier League, they're talking about the fact that, okay, they're talking about the fact that Manchester City lost to Palace, not that Palace beat Man City. But that goal has been, everyone who's seen it has, has just, you know, the word wow has probably been massively overused as a, as a result. And it's just great to be talking about it. And it did, it changed everything. You know, that one moment changed that whole, the course of that game. Um, I think I said this on Love Sport. I genuinely think, and it's not a criticism, but I genuinely think if we play that game 
another 99 times we lose it 99 times because we've had the one in a hundred where something like that comes out of that comes out of the blue um it, it, i doubt he'll ever score a better goal i really do um i was surprised though uh you know look, just looking at city's side as well i was just surprised how it seemed like they were a bit negative you're playing john stones in like midfield and they had like the Bruyne on the bench i had they had the option of Aguero. I know they came on, but they were a bit negative. I'm not, I don't really care about that because we won and that's their fault. But I was surprised by that approach from um, City. And I went on social media and looked at what City fans were saying. And they, was, they seemed frustrated as well before the game. I'm, I'm not sure it was negativity. I think it was complacency. Um, you know, they've got a lot of, they've had a lot of games. They've got a, lo- a lot of games coming up. And I actually saw the, um, pre-match uh, interview with Sky uh, for Guardiola and the guy sort of said in the politest way, he's like, well, that's a lot of changes. And what he meant was, are you sure? Um, and his next question was, you know, re- remember this documentary from last year? You know, you, you said great things about Palace. Um, and when I looked at the team sheet, I did think, oh, that's, you know, if, if we've ever got a chance, it's today. But at the same time, they're still amazing players just because they're not quite as high profile and he did bring them on. Um, I think it was more that they were, they had a, they had a pretty bad game. I mean, the only person I thought really stood out was Sane and he was still fairly unlucky, you know, side netting and whatever else. Um, And Chris is right. 99 more times, we probably would have lost by a goal rather than winning it. Um, So yeah, I I just think it was more complacency than anything else. I think you're probably right. And I don't think it was um, any lack of respect. I think it was just a natural thing. Um, you know, if they're looking at all the games, I think midweek playing in the cup against Leicester, I know they rested a few players there as well, but that went to penalties. It's, you know, it's understandable when you've got a squad that strong that you'd use it that way. But yeah, I think, I think Stone's playing, he had a poor first half. They just, they weren't flowing, you know, didn't play flowing football the way they did. But again, Guardiola himself was saying he thought his team played well, that they couldn't have done any more and that we just took our chances. I'm not sure how much I actually agree with that, but um, but that that was his perspective on it. Did anyone see the um, Ian Wright reaction to the Palace result? He he seemed. I I thought I saw one with within. He was pretty pleased. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> um, on Twitter um, he's tweeted um, a cat gif <laughs> with a cat with it with its mouth open, its eyes open wide. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. We need to be retweeting. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I did see that one, and it's pretty much was my reaction as well. So. <laughs> Just going back to the, the Stones thing, um, and I know that you know there was one ball where he let it bounce over his head, and Zaha could have done something with it. At the same time, they would have been saying, "Well, you know, they put Jeffrey Schlupp in midfield." Um, you know, I, I think that they still put out a stronger team as they possibly could. Um, I. I I don't think anyone went into the stadium thinking, oh, I'm a bit worried now. Like None of us thought this was going to happen. No. Um, Mikey, you're going to have to put a little edit break in here because I've got to go. I'm just getting a phone call. I've got to go and answer. Uh, um, it's just someone repeatedly ringing me. So um, bear with me a second. I'll, I'll be back in two minutes. Just enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Here's the commercial. You're the best around. Buy for two ninety nine at Asda, Tesco, <laughs> and Morrison. <laughs> Christmas special. 
we will answer your call right after the break. After the break? Right when we have an available age. Your call is important to us. Please don't hang up. <laughs> you are number six in the queue. Have you checked out our website? You can do so now by going on www.backofthenest.com. There's great articles in there. And you can contact us much easier like that. If you see something that doesn't look right, speak to British Transport Police or staff or send a text message to 61016. See it, say it, sorted. <laughs> right, I'm back. Okay, so the third goal was, of course, uh, a penalty. Um, interesting, the, the lead up to it. It was obviously Max Mayer that was fouled, but he kind of started it with a with a really sort of nice pass. He was, he was under an awful lot of pressure, but still managed to sort of poke the ball through um, really well. And I think it worked its way over to the right-hand side. Cross came in, Andros obviously got the header, which came back off the post. Um, and as the ball kind of went across the box, it was a, a lunge by Kyle Walker, who was never going to get there. Um, mistake from him, I think, picked up on a lot of City fans talking about the fact that you know, he can be reckless like that at times. Clearly clattered Mayer. And let's talk about the fact that he's Luca against uh, Edison um, uh, at that same ground. That Probably I think it was that same end uh, last season. Obviously missing that. So takes an awful lot of bottle to stand up and take that penalty and put it away brilliantly. And um, it's just his, his sort of growing influence and leadership is... It's really coming into its own in the last Didn't he few miss games. the penalty at, at home? At Sellers, yeah. Though. I guess if you could look at it that way, then it probably is the same end. Oh, was it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Same end, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's look at it like that then. Yeah, no, you're quite right. Well, well corrected. Well corrected because we got absolutely murdered up there. Like, Five mil or something. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened there. I think. Um, yeah, oh. I, I, a great, really great penalty. Um, and. Just to remind myself at the end of the game, I was really watching the highlights with some like Flemish guy chatting. And of the 10 minutes of highlights, about six minutes of it was a repeat of the penalty. Um, absolutely perfect. And I was thinking, how much pressure was he under? Like, how? And that he was asked by Chris Grierson or someone else, um, you know, what, what were you thinking as you took the penalty? And he just went, I. Oh, picked my spot and it was fine um, he's, he's such a cool character awesome absolutely awesome yeah well it's that it's that coolness and that cheeky little smile that has, has Mikey in love with him sorry Chris I don't know you jumping in there yeah what I, what I just wanted to say was that um, you know it was, it was a very very well taken penalty and obviously I mean Lucas had his moments especially this season not just with penalties but with misplaced passes and everything but it's worth looking uh, his stats in terms of these things. So um, he's, his debut in the Premier League was, what, two years ago now? Um, and in that time, he scored 13 penalties, which is five more than any other player in the Premier League in that time. Good start. Wait, Good start. Is it, is, um, is, it, is it just me? Yeah. Is it just me or Luca? I don't know. I was watching on TV. Luca seemed more confident than he did against Man City. Just the way he was staring at Edison. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking into it a bit too much. No puns intended. But um, I thought he just... Yeah, because no he was... Pun. That's not a pun. No, no because I was looking... No, do you not realise what I said beforehand? I was saying he was looking at Edison. No. And I said not looking into it too much. 
It's oh, not. Anyway, it's, it's not a pun, mate. It's, it's not even. It's just, you've just you've just used the same word. Yeah. Twice. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just sorry. Don't, don't no, just he more confident. Me, yeah, he's, he's more confident. Let's just say that. That's my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. He didn't. Yeah, I think, but I think that's that's um. See the team coming off the back of a win. I think you know against Gavroy's Jews. He you know he he said that the the two games against Brighton and West Ham. You know, in his view, it's just what happens to a team that's not playing with the confidence of a team that wins every week. That we're still a good side and. I suppose this is more fuel to that fire when, you know, off the back of a win, you, you know, you notice the the increase in confidence in players, and in particular, Luca, as the seasons progressed, has returned to, you know, his old self, if you like. He's he certainly seems to have put put behind him the uh, the struggles he was having at the start of the year, and it's just grown in influence game by game, really, and that's that can only be good for us, and particularly when you come for back of a result. Yeah, like and, and I think the one thing that he was really struggling with. Um, was making sure the passes were um, exactly where they should go. And I, I did see, I think we only had like 57% passing success today, but most of those were probably just hoofing the ball out. So again, stats just don't mean anything. Um, but whereas earlier he was he was playing a lot of short passes to the wrong player or in the wrong place, faultless today. And, and really the only man that I, I remember playing a couple of dodgy passes was Sacco. I think he put us under pressure once. Um, but otherwise, yeah, Milivojevic is, is back to exactly how he was last season. And you can see, like you said about the smile on his face, in that post-match interview, he's got the arrogance back. And that, that sort of arrogant feel that he's got to him is exactly what powers him. And he lost that for a few games for whatever reason, but it's definitely back. Absolutely right. And one of the things that was, was said of late, and a few people have picked up on it and asked a question around it, was, you know, this is clearly not a team that's that stopped playing for the manager. And obviously we had concerns over that, particularly the way we fell apart against West Ham. I think a lot of people, myself included, were like, this is not a team that believes in the message that's coming from the from the manager and the staff. But I think we've they've in two games they've arrested that issue straight away and you know, this is there's no doubt about it. It's a famous win for us. It's it's massive for the football club. It's you know, it's put us on eighteen points. It actually feels a bit more comfortable now. Is that us at a point a game? I think it now? is eighteen or from eighteen over a point a game. Yeah, there you go. So that that in itself, if you factor that over the course of a whole season, you're on thirty eight points. You're unlikely to go down. So all of a sudden, from relegation form, you're just starting to tip over the over that little. The brim of that hill, if you like, and um, that that can only be a huge positive as well. And you've got to imagine that the team will take so much from it, and it's that's why. And I know, I think it was dear I mentioned it earlier. You've got to go into the Cardiff game. If you go and play Cardiff and lose at home on Boxing Day, then this becomes completely meaningless. So it's really important that we keep this going for the next game. And there's a few more comments and Quick, questions. Sorry. Quickly, would we take a draw against Cardiff? Because technically, if you look at it, against Cardiff, we expected to win and a draw against Man City would have been great. So it would balance things out. Would we be too upset if we yes. drew against Cardiff or do do we still have the mentality that we need to win? <laughs> get, oh, Mike, so, right. Mike said yeah. yes before I could get there. And I, I, I agree. I, look, part of me thinks that if, if we go into that game and let's say we have a nightmare, get a player sent off and we concede a penalty and we're a goal down, and we happen to get a late goal to draw 1-1, I'll be all right. <laughs> Something like that. But it's at home. It's against a, a team with the greatest respect. They're, they're doing wonders to have the points that they've got, you know, under Warnock. Because that well, is they've just lost 5-1 to Man United as well. Um, 
Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. But Man United have a, have a new manager, so but I don't know. I'll, 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 I think we need to win as well. If we want to push on, we have to win. But there might be some people who wouldn't be too upset with a draw due to what happened today. So I don't know. It would be interesting to see what happens, anyways. These things are cumulative, aren't they? So you're, you're absolutely right, Dr. That you know, if you if you take a number of games together and look at the results, then you know four points out of those two games would be a good outcome, and we'd have expected it to be the other way round. Um, but we we do need to be um, aiming to, and you know, I'll be really disappointed if we don't beat Cardiff. The other thing is, obviously, we've, we've got Chelsea coming up. I mean, that they lost to Leicester today, who we beat. Important not to get over carried away, but you know, we, we've we've got some decent results against better teams this year and we, we can do it again in 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 those games then we've got we've got wolves coming up as well and that's not going to be easy but you know we should be going into this run of games with confidence and you know i think it looks to me like we we will be doing that two weeks ago uh sorry i forgot i forgot i left my hand <laughs> yeah i know, yeah, I know. T- no two it's funny it's funny though two weeks ago um, after West Ham game, everyone was talking about, all right, I think we should sell Sacco to improve the squad or sell Zaha. But now we're looking ahead and we're just like, oh, wait, Wolves, that's not, you know, we could beat Wolves. We could get a draw against Chelsea. It just, football is such a ridiculous game, honestly. Like, you get one <laughs> or two decent results and you're looking up the table, then you lose your next game and you're looking down. It's just, it's crazy. It really is. And look, I get really frustrated with myself and how I react to football. And I used to be, particularly on this show, I used to almost insist on, on balance and, and all that kind of stuff. So like, I at the start of when we originally started this as Homestar Radio, I never would, like the shows we've done this year, where we've basically said, Roy out, <laughs> um, you know, hate this, hate that, that's rubbish. We never would have done that before, really, because I always insisted on this, on balance. And the longer we've been in the Premier League, the harder it's been to to not just, you know, to, to let it affect you in that way. I've said it before, I almost feel like it makes me bipolar because every week, you know, it seems to be something different that's either making me delighted or making me enraged. And I never really have have that balance anymore. And I, it's it's very tough to sort of deal with, and you're right. It's a ridiculous game for that exact reason. How how ridiculous is it that you know a couple of weeks ago we lost to Brighton three 0 and they had ten men, and we've just beaten Manchester City three two at their own ground, and and literally no one has done anything at the Etihad at all for such a long time in the Premier League. It's just it's insane. Uh, and similarly, if we were to lose to Chelsea and Wolves, I don't think anyone would be surprised, and I certainly don't think that it should be calls for alarm I'd be a bit annoyed if we don't get you know at least a point from Cardiff um but I, I really think that I don't I don't really see how else um anyone's going to make a difference anyway the sort of the same the same thing I said when um it was looking pretty bleak I'm not I'm not sure that other than tinkering a little bit um with formations you know there's just there's only a certain amount of expectation you can have on our current side. And it's amazing that we beat Man City, but we're exactly the kind of side that probably would lose 1-0 to Cardiff straight afterwards. And no, no <laughs> one's going no to be that surprised. Um, and I, 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 you know, it's probably only going to take like 34 points to stay up this year. So we're sort of meandering along. Um, it gets more into the debate of whether you want to see progress and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but... I wouldn't. I wouldn't be at all shocked if we only pick up 
one point from the next three games. And that still doesn't mean that people should be saying, you know, Roy should go. Um, it, it's just the way Palace are. Like, it's how Palace have always been. Yeah, no, I understand that. And, but, I, you know, it doesn't, again, and I, I would say on the flip side of that, it doesn't mean any of the points we've been making on, on the negative side over the last few weeks. So let me, when we talked a couple of weeks back where we said, you know, things need to change and that we didn't think Roy was capable of it. It's it's okay to feel like that and then be be wrong. And that Roy can, and, and the staff as well, it's not just him, can actually show that, yeah, do you remember we can change. We do, we'd have a different game plan against Man City. You know what? It worked perfectly. We got three points and no one gave us a prayer. Um, you know, and that, and that kind of shoves it back in our face. But you know what? I, who, who cares? I'm delighted. <laughs> of course, we're all delighted by that. Um, and, you know, part of me wishes that I was able, we were all able to have that kind of, like I say, go back to it, that we were able to have that kind of balance where we can, can try and retain perspective. But to, to put it another way, is it retaining perspective to to have three you know a few weeks back to have tolerated three wins all season and not be worried? I don't think so. I think you know as Di was basically saying, it's such a ridiculous game football because it it does the whole picture can change off the back of two results. We've had two wins in quick succession, and all of a sudden we're we're creeping towards mid table. Everyone's talking about looking up rather than looking down, and we've beaten you know what who most people would say is the best team in the Premier League. So. Um, yeah, it doesn't negate any of the conversations we've been having. But like I say, for me, I, I just think it's just shifted the the really poor results that we had, those two poor results against West Ham and Brighton. It's just made me start to think, actually, they might have been a turning point where I didn't think they were. I thought they were just a consequence of us playing poorly, not making changes, not using the squad properly. Um, I just think maybe they were the wake-up call that we needed, particularly defensively, because... We were all right before that. Then we conceded six goals in two games to those teams. Um, and obviously everybody was quite rightly concerned. But long may this continue. You know, I don't know if it, it will. I don't know if we're going to score goals like we did today on another day. But here's hoping that the, the extra confidence gives us that. All right, so we've got a couple more questions. One is directly for you, DR. Um, all right. Matthew Smith has got in touch and he says, Guapalapa doesn't do this one justice at all. What do you think? What? It's just he's saying that for Andros's goal, a guapalapa isn't isn't enough. You perhaps need another word to describe it. Ah, uh, nah, that's disrespectful to guapalapa. Guapalapa is the highest you can go. You can't go higher than a guapalapa. It's something. Uh, after I mentioned that word, that's uh, and also I want to quickly point out that every time we score a guapalapa, we don't lose. And during the game, I messaged you lot, and I did say that it's like we're not losing this game because it's a guapalapa, but. Nah, it is a Guapalapa. Nothing can go, can go higher than Guapalapa. So, um, sorry, Matthew. You could just add an extra syllable to it, though. You could just keep adding lapas at the end. Guapalapa, la, 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 <laughs> Guapalapa, lapa. Uh, maybe, all right, then. We'll give it a Guapalapa, lapa, lapa this week. Not Guapalapa. <laughs> <laughs> I like that system. But let's not I mean, mess it up, though, <laughs> because we might mess up the system. We don't want to mess up the Guapalapa yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'll give it to Matthew this week, but... From now on, nah, it, it won't happen. Everything's a guapalapa. To be fair, to be completely fair, if you were going to have that syllable system where it was a guapalapa-lapa, right? 
what would you have to do to get a Guapa Lapa 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 Lapa? I think it'd have to be goal whoever's kick. in goal, be it Hennessy yeah. or Guaita, volleying, volleying a shot back up the pitch into the top corner. That might that might do a, it. A bicycle kick in the FA Cup final in the 90th minute by Wayne Hennessy or his centre Guaita. I think that will just top it and that would be the Guapa Lapa 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 Lapa. So, yeah, that's the only way that will happen. All right, Mike, I'm going to ask you, it's a it's a, a few people have asked this question in a different way and I, I can't credit them all because realistically, I think I need to end this show because um, my brain still isn't working after Andros's goal. Um, but um, they've basically asked the question, is that Palace's best Premier League win? Uh, it could be. Um, I think Chelsea 2-1 last season probably would be my choice considering it was on the back of seven consecutive defeats with no goals and that's when he pulled out the two false number nines so that would probably be mine um in terms of individual games I can think of a few the Liverpool win maybe the 5-0 game over Leicester although uh, you know it means a bit less um I think it just it just proves that people get just crazy about football and and there's, you know, you get a particular result um, on a day and you just go crazy for the day. It probably takes a couple of days to think about it and think rationally. On the day, you're going to go, yes, this is the best one. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure. I think if we beat Cardiff, if we get maybe get a point off Chelsea or a point off Wolves, maybe it'll mean more. But if we go and lose three on the bounce, then I, don't, I, I really don't think it will be. I think the Chelsea game means more. Mike's right that in terms of the context of the season, you know, other results matter equally as much. You know, if you if you beat the team that become champions, but you still lose other games and end up going down, then you know your special day wasn't worth as much as it seemed at the time. Um, I mean, the th- for me, I, I think the three 0 against Arsenal um, was bigger in the sense that it was a better all round performance. It was a different type of win, but th- this is one that will live long in the memory, you know, especially because of, you know, the brilliance of the Townsend goal. Um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a big moment for us that, you know, we've, we've beaten the best team in the league today. And I think, you know, people will be going into Christmas quite happy. I think this has to be the biggest win uh, due to the fact that it's Man City and it's away from home. Against all the other top six sides, I think there's always a chance. But when it's Man City at the Etihad, we they, like everyone predicted a five nil loss, a four nil loss. No one even expected us to score, let alone score three goals and also win. No one expected that. I think it has to be the biggest win so far. Um, whilst we've been in the Premier League, for that fact. Now, fair, fair enough. Um, one last question, which I'll answer myself, which is is something we're going to come back to a lot. But Tom Rado's got in touch and said. When Wickham and Benteke are back, what on earth do we do with the formation? And I guess the team selection as well is included in that. You know, I think we've covered it a few times. I mean, we don't really know, do we? It's a difficult... I think it, it, that question's always going to come down to who we who are we playing. I still favour a 4-3-3. And I think today, the 4-5-1 that can become a 4-3-3, um, I think the 4-5-1 we played today kind of emphasises that fact that it is a more natural way for this squad to play. You know, having having people out in the very width of the pitch who are attacking players rather than you know overlapping fullbacks going past a, a central midfielder who's tucking in i think it works so much better for the for the group of players that we've got and 
Um, but I think it's a, it's an interesting conundrum to look at um, that when we finally get strikers back, if we can play like that, do we need them? I think you're absolutely right, Chris, that the formation um, is one element of that decision. Another part, of course, is, you know, personnel. And, I mean, the interesting thing for me is if you look at the uplift in Hennessy's form, it, it occurred when Guaita came in and he had a challenge for his place. At the moment, we don't have anyone vying for the striker position with the arguable exception of uh, Jordan Ayew. Um, so if, if and when we've got Benteke and Wickham, you know, that, that will be a really healthy situation to have two strikers who hopefully at, at least one of them at a time can score some goals um, and get a healthy run together. I think that, you know, we, we, there's reason to be optimistic. Plus, of course, we've got January transfer window coming, so maybe we'll sign someone new as well. Yeah. Um, well then, then you know, again, and I saw this question earlier as well, so I can't credit the person who it was. Um, but they also said, will it, I think it was my mate Darren who actually messaged me, Darren Broadfoot. Hi, Darren, if you're listening, which I'm sure you will be. Um, said, you know, does it affect the, the January transfer window, this type of result? And realistically, it could, because again, it demonstrates, and a lot of people before the game were saying, oh, you know, just with a couple of people out, it shows you how thin our squad is. Yeah, that thin squad just beat Man City. Um, and again, I was making that point that the idea of a, a lack of squad strength to me is is something of a myth because it's because it keeps getting mentioned, but it doesn't always pan out that way. And it's, for me, it's not the reason we've been struggling for points um, up until this recent upturn. So it's you know it's a it's a date a debate that will rage on. Um, something else that we we talk about an awful lot is Dr. Kern has his absolute love of statistics, and as a result, we've got this fantastic new feature. DR's Stat of the Week, sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Hello everyone, this is DR and here's my Stat of the Week. So Aaron Wan-Bissaka, we all know he's a fabulous defender, but against top six sides, he <laughs> has been great. And here's my little Stat of the Week for you. So in the 26 attempts f- so far this season against the top six clubs, how many successful tackles has Aaron Wan-Bissaka made? Is this your stat of the week? Yeah. I like the way you said that. It's good. Um, I, I don't know. Well, I do know because I've seen the stats earlier, but I'll choose to forget them. But I, I, we're talking about the top six. Yeah, top six against. sides. So against Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, Manchester United and Manchester City. He's had 26 attempts, but how many of them have been successful? I mean, knowing him... It's going to be like twenty four in it, something like that. He's he's an outrageous talent. I'll get I'll get everyone's views on this. So twenty four from Hambo, Mike. Uh, I feel like he missed one today, and I know he uh, the foul against Liverpool that caused a penalty. So I'm going to say twenty four. Twenty four. All right, Chris. Well. Um... I, I I think it's his completion rates. It looks like about 80 percent. So I'm going twenty one. Twenty one. All right. So I gave enough time for the listeners. Now here's the answer. He has made a total of twenty three successful tackles out of the twenty six. So you all were well, apart from um, Chris, uh, Hamburg and Mike, you're one away. So that's fantastic. To be fair, twenty three out of twenty six attempts against them sides and that many fantastic players is just fabulous and that's my start so, of the week that's an interesting stat DR but not willing to put you on the spot how does that compare to other right backs do you think uh, you just put me on the spot and you've done that on purpose and now I'm going to take that as offence <laughs> <laughs> 
I just wanted to ruin your first stat of the week. That's all. Oh, but um, nice. No, Honestly, very interesting stat of the week, that. Exactly. And, um, There's going to be more to come, and it's going to get more interesting. And also, it'll be interesting to see if uh, the listeners enjoy it as well. So make sure to tweet out your stats after the game, and it may be in contention for stat of the week. DR Stat of the Week, sponsored by Dr. Pepper. DR Stat of the Week has no affiliation with Dr. Pepper. DR was not aware they even still produce Dr. Pepper. He claims that nobody drinks Dr. Pepper, especially people from South London, and that drinking Dr. Pepper is a thing of generations past. This is not the view of Back of the Nest in general. Other soft drinks are available. DR's view should always be taken with a pinch of salt. What? What? I don't even like Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <What> is- <laughs> I'm taking my start of the week back. I want I want a proper drink sponsor for my start of the week. This is unacceptable. I'm not having it. That was amazing. I'm not having it. Dr. Pepper. Uh, dear, oh dear. Dear, oh dear. So obviously, thank you for listening. Um, particularly, thank you for listening in, in 2018. Um, thanks to for, for supporting our re- relaunch as Back of the Nest. We're very happy with how it's going. Obviously, check out backofthenest.com uh, as that website continues to develop and grow. Um, some wonderful things on there. Um, I'm going to pause now for Mike to say something. Yeah. Could you, if you are feeling kind as a Christmas present to us all, give us a nice five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get the pods. That would be lovely. And otherwise, have a lovely Christmas. Yeah, well said, Mike. And can I emphasise that I don't care whether you think the pod is worth five stars, but just give us five stars because then it's all about spreading the word. All right. Exactly. So- and we've won. So yeah, exactly. you, you, have, you have to now. Come on, this it'll be disappointing if you reach this part of the show and you're still listening and you don't give us a five star rating. That's exactly. that'll be really disappointing. Come on, it, it can but, help. Yeah. It can help me out. Look, I feel a bit upset now. <laughs> I'll feel a bit upset if you don't give me five star rating, and I'll be crying in Christmas Day. So <laughs> it's up to you if you want. And for every one of you. <laughs> For every one of you that uh, gives us a five-star rating, Dr. will drink one can of Dr. Yep. Pepper. It's, well, that may happen, but you have to show <laughs> proof. Uh, and that, is, that is scary. Don't give five-star ratings anymore. Thank you. Bye. Listen, uh, <laughs> listen if, the thing is with, with the ratings, no one really wants to know what your, your opinion is on a rating. No, if, you know, if, you, if you put three stars, you know, the guys are working really hard. Uh, often the show's good, but sometimes it kind of falls apart a little bit. Still having a few audio issues, but you know we we like them three stars. That might be your realistic review, but no one cares. Just give us five stars, right? Just five. That's all I want. Give me five if you, stars. If what? you give us five, oh, wait, last one. If you give us five stars, I promise you there'll be another Guapalapa coming soon. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, anyway, so. All that remains to be said is Merry Christmas slash Happy Holidays, whatever uh, you celebrate this time of year. Um, again, I repeat, thank you so much for listening and uh, for making 2018 great for us. And uh, we'll be back in 2019 with more of the same. In fact, more of the same, but we'll keep improving just to just to justify those five-star reviews you're all going to rush to this now. So thank you very much. Goodbye. Ciao. Ciao. Fingers, bye. Is that by? Is yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants. Eighteen plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.